This is part three of uh, one sermon that's on Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, the previous two sermons are available on the website or from the church office on CD if, if you'd like to avail yourselves of those in case you miss those. So we're spending three, three sermons on, on, uh, on these two verses in Romans 12. I invite you, therefore, to open your Bible or one of the few Bibles to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, for the reading of God's holy Inspired, inerrant word, let us seek the Lord's blessing upon us for the illumination of our minds, the enlightening of the eyes of our hearts, that we might receive his word as his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you are the God of truth and life. And we pray that by the grace of your Holy Spirit, now you would speak your word of Scripture by the power of your Spirit, to renew our minds and to transform our lives so that we might live as people who delight to do your will. Through the grace and the saving mercy of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Let us hear the word of God. It is written. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or reasonable worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever and to his name be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. For the past two weeks, we have noted that Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 mark a major transition in the letter to the Romans. The transition from doctrine to discipleship, from the what of belief to the so what of behavior. But the doctrinal foundation is absolutely essential, and remember, it can be summed up as the doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, which means that helpless and hopeless sinners are made right with God, reconciled to God, restored to a relationship of love with God, not by anything that we can do of ourselves, for ourselves, because we can't, but rather only by what God himself has done for us. Freely giving to us his own son, Jesus Christ to be the wrath-bearing, justice-satisfying, sin-atoning, substitutionary sacrifice in our place for our salvation received by faith. As Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a declaration of God's 
mercy. God's rich, free, undeserved, unearned mercy. Freely offered to helpless, hopeless sinners through Jesus Christ. And the way to receive that mercy is to receive and to embrace Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior because He is the gift of God's mercy. And that's the reason that Paul begins at this major transition in chapter 12, basing his appeal and exhortation on the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, including sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, reasonable worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, perfect. Two weeks ago, we focused on the exhortation to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, as an offering of reasonable worship. The very members of our bodies, literally bodily parts, are to be offered to God every day as instruments of worship. That's an incredible and I would say revolutionary, life-changing concept. Every day you and I are called to offer God every day a service of worship through what we do with our bodies. In that way, we are living sacrifices to the glory of God. Last Sunday... The emphasis fell on the negative exhortation, do not be conformed to this world or this sin-corrupted age in which we live. As Christians, we must constantly be aware that the spiritual forces of this fallen world are continually applying pressure on us to conform us to their agenda of opposition to God and His kingdom. And the danger for us is that this opposition to God and His kingdom can often look very nice, very normal, and very socially acceptable, perhaps even culturally and socially expected. Remember that quote from David Wells. Worldliness, being conformed to this world, worldliness is that system of values which displaces God and his truth from the world and makes sin look normal and righteousness seem strange. Worldliness, being conformed to this world, is that system of values which displaces God and his truth from the world and which makes Sin look normal, and righteousness seems strange. And so the word of God commands us, do not be conformed to this world. But that negative command has a complementary positive command, which we come to today. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern or prove What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Now note the balancing contrast 
in the negative and the positive commands, which are really just two parts of one exhortation. Do not be conformed to this world. That is, do not be shaped by the external pressures of this evil age, but rather be transformed, metamorphosed from the inside out. That is, be internally changed by the renewal of your mind. But now we've got to think about this exhortation to be transformed. It is an imperative command. It is something that we are exhorted to do. It is therefore something that we as Christians in response to God's mercies are required to do. Be transformed. I was an English major. I had the greatest English teachers in the world down the street in that day. If you remember your English grammar, you know that this is a passive verb form. Be transformed. The passive verb form indicates that it is actually something that is done to us. Be transformed. So which is it? Is it something that we do in obedience to a command in response to God's mercies? Or is it something that is done to us? And the answer is yes. It is a command that we are to obey. It is something that we do. And yes, it is something that is done to us. Yes, to be transformed by the renewal of our mind is something that we do out of our conscious commitment to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And yes, the process of being transformed by the renewal of our mind is something that the Holy Spirit does within us through the power and truth of the word of God? The answer is, you got it, yes, both and. This is how sanctification works. Sanctification, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sanctification, literally growing in holiness, the opposite of worldliness growing in Christ-likeness, growing in spiritual maturity into nearer and nearer conformity to the likeness of Jesus, which is never perfected in this life, but ought to be the goal of our life and in which real progress is to be made in this life. This is the process of sanctification, which is the Holy Spirit's work of grace in the life of the believer. But it is a work of the Spirit with which we cooperate and in which we participate. And as Christians, in response to the mercies of God, we are called, commanded, and have a responsibility. We have a response-ability to cooperate with and participate in the sanctifying work of grace of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are called to this. Indeed, we are commanded 
to do this in response to the mercies of God. Now, look, this is the reason. This is the reason that dress up, show up, check the box, cultural, social, churchianity is not real Christianity at all. This is the reason that easy believe-ism, just say you believe in Jesus, get your ticket to heaven punched, get your fire insurance policy. But live like it really doesn't matter until you die is not real Christian faith at all. It's a delusion. True Christian faith is a living, growing relationship with God in response to his mercies as a disciple of his son, Jesus Christ, in which the Holy Spirit is at work in us to transform our lives so that we are empowered and enabled more and more to do God's will for God's glory. Why did God create you and everything else? For his own glory. And we are called, commanded, we have a responsibility. We have a, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we have a response ability to cooperate with and to participate in the Spirit's sanctifying, transforming work of grace in our life. So how do we do that? How do we, in response to God's mercies in Christ, cooperate with and participate in the Holy Spirit's work of grace to transform our lives by the renewal of our minds? To answer that question, all we need to do is turn to the Scripture. Jesus himself, in his great high priestly prayer on the night of the Last Supper, prayed for his apostles and, by extension, also for all those who would come to believe in him through them. That includes us believers today. Jesus prayed, saying, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Notice in that segment of Jesus' great high priestly prayer the contrast of those who belong to the world, who are conformed to the world, and those who belong to God through Christ. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. There it is. Jesus himself, on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus himself knew that we would be pressured to be conformed to this world. Jesus prayed that we would be kept from the evil one and his influences to conform us to this world. And then Jesus prayed the positive corollary that we would be sanctified in the truth. Think about it. 
Jesus' prayer is that we would not be conformed to this world by the lies of the evil one, but rather that we would be sanctified in the truth, transformed by the truth. And he says, your word is truth. There it is. God's word is the truth which sanctifies us, transforms our lives by the renewal of our minds. By how are our lives, therefore, transformed by the renewing of our minds? By filling our minds with the truth, the sanctifying truth of God's revealed, written word. When Jesus prayed that prayer, he had in mind not only the written word of the Old Testament scriptures, but also the word of God which would be revealed to his apostles, which they would write down, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament scriptures. Jesus said, your word is truth, and he was referring to the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God written in Holy Scripture. As Paul wrote to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The Holy Spirit works through the Word of God for the transformation of our lives by the renewal of our minds. That our minds might be shaped, guided with the truth of God. A few examples from the Scriptures. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, Blessed is the man who is not conformed to this world, this evil age. But, Psalm 1, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this passage, law refers not only to the Ten Commandments or the other laws of the Old Testament, but to all the precepts, the principles, the instruction of Scripture, the whole counsel of God, the entire Word of God. Psalm 1 continues, on his law. On God's word he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man whose mind is being renewed by the word of God. Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? What can we do to keep ourselves from being conformed to this world? Psalm 119. By guarding it. Guarding our heart according to your word being transformed by the renewal of our mind through the Word. Psalm 119.10 continues, With my whole heart I seek you. With my whole heart, my inmost being, I seek you, cooperating with, participating in the Holy Spirit's work of grace to transform our lives. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments by the renewal of our minds through the truth of God's word. I have stored up your word in my heart. Memorization, internalization of God's word. The renewal of our minds by meditation on God's word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, that I might not be conformed to this world. 
And there are multiple, many, many more verses in Psalm 119 which speak about the sanctification, the transformation of our lives by the renewal of our minds through meditation on the Word of God. And one more of these, Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We live in this present evil age in a world of spiritual darkness. Remember Romans 1. Speaking of fallen humanity corrupted by sin, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Or 2 Corinthians 4.4 in which Paul says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They are blinded in spiritual darkness. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Their minds won't be blinded because their minds will be renewed by the word of God. To follow Jesus is to follow his word. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, that is, if you live in, if you dwell in, if you remain in, if Jesus' word is like your home, the center of your life, then, said Jesus, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do you get set free from the lies of this sin-corrupted age by the truth of Jesus' word, which is the Bible. So how do we cooperate with and participate in the Holy Spirit's work of grace to transform our lives by the renewal of our minds? By reading, studying, thinking about, memorizing, Meditating on the Word of God. It's part and parcel Christian discipleship. And doing that privately in a disciplined, systematic, daily reading of God's Word. By doing that corporately as a member of Christ's church. In corporate worship, hearing and receiving the exposition of the Word and application of the Word of God, and also in Sunday school and in small groups and in Bible studies in the life of the church and in the broader Christian community which are available to us. So you see, it's, 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 not, it's not just a matter of going along and and, and showing up and, and overhearing something in a Bible study or a sermon and, you know, finding that interesting and picking up a tidbit of new information or practical advice. And... No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. It's a matter of immersing our minds in the truth of God's Word. Not just for information, but for internalization. Which will then have the effect of transformation of our lives through the renewal of our minds. This is all part of 
growing in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that now by the working of the Spirit, we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and we are being transformed from glory to glory. That is, as we focus our attention on Jesus Christ, gaze into His face, and the only way to do that is to immerse ourselves into His Word, get to know Him. And we are transformed little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit from one phase of glory into the next as we anticipate our full glorification in Christ's likeness in the age to come. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 and following great cross-reference here because in that passage, Paul uh, contrasts our old man, the old fallen nature, with the new man in Christ. We have a new identity. We have a, we have a new center of our life. And it comes through the renewal of the spirit of our minds as we grow in Christ. And then it manifests itself in the way that we live that out. So the idea here, it's a matter of learning to think about everything in your life from God's point of view. Now that's a, that's a huge statement. It may sound grandiose. And of course, we don't. God's mind is incomprehensible. Right, we, we we never comprehend the mind of God in its infinity and eternity. But God has revealed His mind to us, what we need to know in the Scripture, and and we therefore can say yes. We can train our minds to think about everything in life from God's point of view, as He has revealed that in Holy Scripture. Now, that is a 180-degree turnaround, which, by the way, is, is what repentance is. Repentance means change your mind. Change your mind about yourself, about God, about the world. Get it in line with God's revealed truth. It's about bringing the entirety of your life the entirety of every aspect of life in this world into the light of God's truth. We modern American Christians are just terrible about compartmentalizing. You know, we think we have, well, we have our, we have our family life, we have our work life, we have our recreational life, and over here we have our spiritual life, like you could slice it up like a pizza or something. No, 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 no. That isn't how it works. The Christian life envelops the whole of our lives. And so the renewal of our mind is about bringing the entirety of your life, the entirety of every aspect of life in this world into the light of God's truth. It's about having our minds renewed by God's word so that God is not a peripheral afterthought in our minds. But rather the very core and center of all our thoughts and our thought process. Only then will we have a true view of ourselves, our purpose in life, a true view of the world, 
and a true view of our relationship with God. And it all comes through his word. That's the reason that Paul wrote to the Colossians. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So let me encourage you. If you're not already, read the Bible daily in a disciplined, systematic way. There are Bible reading plans. Jonathan and I could help you with that. If you want that, it would take you through the Bible in a year or two years. Read the Word. Study the Word. Read the Word slowly. Think about it. Memorize it. Meditate on the Word. Internalize the Word. Let it metamorphosize you by the renewal of your mind. And let me say also to parents of young children, you know, the way that Um, we, we all, you know, worry about the decline of American culture. Well, guess what? The way Americans used to learn to read was by reading the Bible. Now we don't even know what's in it. So, parents, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be intentional. You've got to be systematic, not heavy-handed, not overbearing. Feed your children the word. Start those little minds, those little brains that just soak up everything like a sponge, and they can memorize. That's one of the great things about a young mind. It can memorize. Etch it in, etch it in, etch it in, that even in their toddlerhood, they can begin to think God's thoughts after him in accordance with his word. But as we do this, and it's a process, it's growth, then you'll be able to, as the scripture says, discern or prove, that is, prove to be true, the will of God as it is revealed in his word. That's the concluding point of this verse. This is where this verse goes, that by testing, what that means is that by your personal experience, By by putting the word into practice, you may discern, you may prove by application what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, what Paul is saying is is that when our minds are renewed and we understand the the principles, the precepts, the instructions of God's word, then we, we begin to put that into practice and we begin to see that the will of God is indeed good for us, it's pleasing to God, and it's it's perfect. It, it, it covers the, the whole entail of our lives. And the will of God for the living of our lives, that which is good and acceptable to God and pleasing to God and, 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 and perfect in terms of reaching its goal, it, it, it is broad, in broad measure, it's all revealed in Scripture. In other words, the will of God for the living of our lives in daily life is not some veiled mystery, which we got to somehow try to figure out. In broad measure, God has laid out his will for us in his word. You can start with the Ten Commandments. And then there are principles and precepts throughout other parts of the Old Testament. We have the prayers of the Psalms. We have the example of Jesus himself. We have the spiritual direction and the ethical instructions of the New Testament. You see, in large measure, God's will for the living of our lives has been revealed in his word. And the more that we know his word and apply it to our lives, the more and more our lives are transformed by the renewal of our minds through the word, the more that we are able to 
interpret our experience and look at the world and consider our situation through the lens of Scripture, then the more we will be able to discern and prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect, the will of God, putting it into practice. And when it gets down to specific personal decisions, in specific personal situations, you see that our minds and our hearts will be better able to apply the precepts, the principles, the instructions of God's revealed word so that we can make those specific decisions in accordance with his revealed word and therefore in accordance with his will. So, brothers and sisters, here's the good news. We have not been left in the dark. We have not been abandoned as victims of chaos and confusion in this crazy world. We've not been recklessly hurled into a world of meaninglessness and purposelessness in which there is no such thing as truth. Nor have we been left to ourselves to try to figure it all out for ourselves, by ourselves. Brothers and sisters, God's word is truth. God's spirit sanctifies, transforms our lives into the likeness of Christ by renewing our minds with the truth of God's word and that enables us and empowers us to live in accordance with God's will, which is always good for us. It is acceptable and pleasing to God and it is perfect in bringing to completion God's purposes for our lives. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. You are a God who has communicated. You are a God who by your Spirit has preserved your word for us in Holy Scripture. Grant us, O Lord, minds to receive, hearts to believe, and souls to respond to your word of grace and truth and life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.